0: Welcome to How Do You Write. I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 180 of How Do You Write. I'm Rachel Heron. Thrilled that you're here with me today as I talk to Melanie Abrams on her book that came out today called Meadowlark. Um, She's a stunning writer, and we're going to be talking about bringing the conflict, and you are really going to enjoy her. I know that. Uh, My apologies for getting this out a few hours late. Better late than never, as some Fridays I just skip, but I'm really trying to be a little bit more regular. But this week was thrown off a little bit by a massive migraine that knocked me out for a couple days. And then yesterday... (laughs) I don't know if you could hear that, but my wife is howling of laughter in the kitchen. Don't know at what, uh, maybe she'll come tell us. Um, so that threw some things off track, like getting uh, my new 90 day courses started, which is what I needed to do this morning, opening them, uh, 90 days to done, 90 day revision, uh, are open now. And sadly the last two classes have closed and I just have to say, that teaching 90 day revision and 90 days to done this last three months for these last 90 days. Oh my God, the whole world changed. In 90 days, everything turned upside down. And I have to tell you, the writers that were working in those classes moved to meet these new challenges with such beauty and such grace. And I could not have been prouder of the work that they did. And they finished whole books. They finished whole revisions um, in a time when I think people need to give themselves a big break, you know, like don't try to, you know, everybody's saying, don't try to write your novel right now. They actually did. They actually did. Um, and I'm so proud of them. So yeah, that was really exciting. And the new classes start today. And this podcast is going out today. And then maybe... I might get a couple of days off. I don't know. I haven't managed to do it yet. It is in my goal to do so. I've got so many goals, so many things I want to do, so many new things I want to write. I just put out a Patreon essay yesterday about how to pack light because I'm finding that as a traveling wanderer who should be in Barcelona right now, this very minute. Uh, I need to keep travel dreams alive. It's part of mental health for me. I need to be rejiggering my packing lists and thinking about not just travel, but who I am when I travel and seeing how I can bring that person into where I sit at this desk today. So that's what that essay was about. And that was really fun to write. Speaking of Patreon, um, you got the essay. If you are a patron of mine and I think you Deeply from the bottom of my heart. Um, thanks to new patron D. DePoy. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but D. DePoy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everyone else who wants to read those kind of essays, you could do it for one dollar for one month, read all 39 essays and then unsubscribe. You could do it. One dollar for like 200,000 words. Uh, worth of work in there. So um, there's some good stuff in there. You can always find that over at patreon.com slash Rachel. And now let's just jump right into the interview with Melanie. And I hope that wherever you are, whatever you are doing, you are getting a little bit of work done. Come find me anywhere where I live online and tell me about it. I really love hearing from you all. Okay. Happy writing. Hey, do you wanna do more writing on Zoom with a group of people that you like? Well, you should join Rachel Says Write We write together on Tuesday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. This one works for you Europeans. And on Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 to 9 Eastern Standard Time, New Zealand and Australia, this one's for you. And for just $39 a month, you can write with us in Zoom. It's like 16 hours for a month. It's like $2 an hour to sit in a zoom room with really cool people and spy on them while they're writing and let them spy on you while you're writing. They'll get to see your true writer's face. And there is nothing more intimate than that. Honestly, you guys, it's such a good time. Go to rachelherron.com slash write or rachelherron.com slash Rachel says write to find out more about joining. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Melanie Abrams. Hello, Melanie. How are you? Hello. Uh, enduring. You're enduring. You're sheltered <laughs> in place. Um, yes. So I am very glad to talk to you. I've had a couple of people say, are we still on? And I'm like, hell yes, we are. on." This is the best time to do it. Let's talk about something else. So awesome. a little bio for you is Melanie Abrams is the author of the novels Playing and Meadowlark. She is an editor and photographer and currently teaches writing at the University of California, Berkeley. She lives in Oakland with her husband Vikram Chandra and their children. He's also a writer. Um, but you are the writer I'm talking to today. And I could not be more pleased to talk to you. We know each other through uh, nano channels, um, which are some of the best channels always to know people from. We met through Grant Faulkner, who's been on this show. And we recently did a nano litmo with you, which is our local reading series. And if anybody's listening, uh please check out Nano Litmo on Facebook and come to our next event, which might be never. It, you may have you may have had the last event we're gonna do. <laughs> Don't say it isn't so. No, it isn't so. It isn't so. Um, but it's very nice to have you in your uh, to be talking to you in your writing digs
1: because you have a you have a home to write in. Is that right? I do. Right now, I'm writing from an abandoned house. Now I have a friend who actually has two houses, and they have sheltered in place at one, and so I've escaped to their other to do some writing. Truly. Ideal.
0: And everybody Absolutely. right now is a tiny bit jealous. So that's, that's always fun. Um, tell us about your writing process. That's what this show is really about is about how you get the work done. And one way is to have a friend with an empty house, which <laughs> totally get behind. But yeah. how do you get it done with all the other things that you're doing, you know, mothering and teaching yeah. and all of that?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, obviously how I get the work done now, it looks very differently than how I get the work done on a normal basis, but we're going to go with quote unquote normal. Um, And that is like, for me, I usually I'm super, super lucky in that I teach at uh, UC Berkeley um, and that's, you know, classes there are only two days a week. So I try and get all my teaching stuff done in those two days. So that means, you know, meeting with students in office hours, grading, prepping for class, etc. And so I keep those two days for teaching. And the other three days, I reserve for writing, which is obviously easier said than done with children and, you know, everything else that we have to do. But um, I really do kind of reserve those mornings, usually, I it's, you know, it usually ends up being like after drop off, until, uh, lunchtime mm-hmm. and to write. So those three days a week, but I also in the past, and I, this has evolved a little bit over the years, but, um, have given myself a word count that I have to meet each day. Um, it started as 500 words, which oh, I talk to my students about this and they're always shocked that it's so little. Uh, it's funny because actually my husband also does this, but his, he writes even less. He writes 400 words a day. So I always talk about how you know it's a marathon, not a sprint, and yeah. so the best thing to do is to set low a low bar for yourself. But I think what's interesting is that I actually, with this last novel, um, was able to raise that to a thousand words a day, and uh, which I had never been able to do before. So I don't think, other than maybe magic, um, I'm not sure why you, you know that that changed, but a thousand words felt very doable and manageable without feeling, um, oppressive.
0: I don't know if you ever had this, but no matter what my word limit and what, what my word goal is, cause I also work with word goals, but about the time I'm three or 400 words away from it, it seems impossible.
1: Right. Whether that's yeah.
0: 1000 or 3000 or 500, like if it's 500 at 100, I start to think I can't do this.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm never gonna I've, get there. I've definitely had that too. I think, um, that t- having a certain amount of time in which you have to do it like it ends up being that a lot of the words end up being in the last <laughs> however long you have left. Yes. Yes, totally. So you mentioned that's your
0: that's your ideal way to do it, but what yeah. I do kind of want to talk about now, I guess. Like how has yeah. that how has that changed and and are you able to focus on writing?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um you know, it's interesting. I've started a new novel and it started before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So how the writing is going to go on that novel after the pandemic. Um, Well, I'm not sure, but what was so what was interesting about starting that novel is that I started writing it in a way in which I have never written before. I mean, I am one of those writers, super dedicated to just, you know, putting your butt in the chair every, you know, whatever days you have determined between this hour and this hour, and just doing the work, like absolutely not an inspiration kind of writer. But this latest book has kind of taken me by surprise. Um, in wh- because I feel I've had the urge to write at night, which I have never had in my life. If I had that happen yeah. to me, I,
0: th- I would think I was having a brain tumor.
1: Like, so. honestly, I am so with you. It has been so shocking. I'm so glad that you, can, you have this experience <laughs> yeah. as well, um, because it's just so bizarre. Um, so yeah, so writing at night and writing in spurts, which is like what every, you know, writer, or every, I don't know what I'm looking for, is that every mother is told, oh, find the time to write whenever you can. Just write in these little pockets of time when the baby is sleeping or your kids are at school. And I've always been like, yeah, what the hell ever? That's like, <laughs> you know, completely unuseful advice for me. But that's kind of a little bit what's happened with this last novel. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, this is very beginning times. So. so that's super exciting. Yeah, so, but as for like writing in the middle of this pandemic, I definitely am writing very little fiction now. Um, I have this book coming up, so there's a lot, you know, everyone wants you to be doing all kinds of essay writing. So, uh, in order to publicize the book. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And that definitely feels like work. Like I am not a nonfiction writer, <laughs> at all. So uh, this definitely feels if there's not much pleasure involved in this kind of writing. Oh. So I feel like I can do it during the day or when I have to, you know, when it's a quote, unquote, assignment.
0: Yeah, because it's a put your butt in the chair kind of assignment.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. I
0: I have a book due in three weeks to my editor. And, oh. um, and I just have this really strange feeling. And I think this is the first time I've, I've verbalized it. But like this book has nothing to do with pandemic. And then so why is it therefore existing? Like I have people hugging in it and I'm
1: thinking, oh, they hug, you know? Totally. Somebody else said that they were watching TV and every time somebody touched or got close, right? And I, I felt that last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I've thought about that too. Like what is my next book going to look like? You know, how do you mm-hmm. not write about the pandemic after the pandemic? Mm-hmm. But someone had a really good point. Um We'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, also, you know, not all books are about 9-11. Right. And that's how we felt then. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, exactly.
0: very good point that actually makes me feel strangely better. Right. In a terrible way. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. Right. Um, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Um. Definitely time and childcare. I mean, I think you probably would hear this from any mother slash writer. Yeah. Um, you know, I apply to, you know, there's that, there's some great grants out there, like Sustainable Arts Foundation, which is just for parents, um, mm-hmm. or even like Yato or McDowell. The only reason I'm applying to any of those, cause it buys you time. So that is exactly, I mean, that's my biggest challenge is like the time piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. What is your biggest joy
0: when it comes to writing?
1: Um, you know, it's that kind of, you know, I, the, my, one of my favorite quotes is a Bob Haas quote, which is, um, he says that, uh, writing is hell, not writing is hell. The only enjoyable part is having just written yes. and I, Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of a big fan of that quote, but that's so uh, pessimistic. So I will say the optimistic part of that is that those few and far between moments where you're almost in this kind of disassociative state where you're like part writer, part your character in a way or inside your book slash outside your book. And of course, they only last for a limited period of time. But that's that's, that's a pretty good one.
0: I wrote a bunch of words this morning before seven, because I had to. And yeah. I had that feeling. And then it makes me think of that other Zadie, um, uh, Zadie Smith quote, where she says, the best time of writing is right after you have sent it to your editor. And that only lasts for four and a half hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Every time someone sells a book, I'm like, enjoy it. This is the best time after you've sold it before you have to do any editing. That's it. <laughs> or right after you send it for that four and a half right,
0: hours. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my students, I think by now, if they like feel like they're being hit over the head with me saying this all the time, but it is kind of my go-to craft advice, which is that um, – make, just don't neglect conflict. I usually use this 3D it's, uh, analogy, which is actually a Janet Burroway analogy, but it's desire plus danger equals drama. Like make sure your character wants something, put things in the way of them getting that thing. And then you, if you can do that, then you've created drama, i.e. conflict. And just following that through your novel or short story. I love that phrasing.
0: Can you tell us the 3Ds again? From her?
1: Yeah. So it's 3Ds are um, desire plus danger, equals drama.
0: That's lovely. And, uh, that is something that everyone needs to remember. We don't want to hurt our characters that we love so much. We don't want to give them <laughs> right. conflict. And, uh, so yeah, perfect. Thank you. I think that your students are lucky that you hit them oh. over the head with that. Thanks. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way?
1: Um, I think, I think music. Uh, this is particularly accurate for my, the novel I'm working on now, but I have found myself as I've gotten older more and more, not necessarily influenced by music, but kind of existing in a space with music in the way I exist with books hmm. um, and having the music kind of uh, influence the writing, which I which is kind of a new thing to me, but it's been pretty powerful. So can you explain that a little bit
0: more? Are you... Do you choose music for your books and then live in it or do they come to you around the book or how does that work?
1: Such a good question. It's, they've, I, I think it's kind of fluid. Um, I definitely have found myself list, like making a playlist and listening to that playlist over and over and over again because that playlist is informing the book in some way and it's hard to, like again using this magical word but like it does seem a little bit like magic like i'm not sure exactly how one influences the other but i'm definitely drawn to using music as a way into the book um yeah so feel free to ask clarifying questions how, how, do you, also how do you how do you find the music yeah, some of it, um, you know, some of it is like, people recommend this or that. Uh, that's happened a couple of times. Some of it is all I, oh, well, here's a really good one. So there's this, um, do you know about Radio Paradise? No. Do you know that station? I do. So not. Radio Paradise is a streaming service that is run by this like older couple outside, uh, in, inside Paradise, California, where there, all the fires were. Yeah. Um, and it's 24 hour streaming and they curate these playlists, which are, I mean, basically made for me and, <laughs> but really, it's like a very, it's not that you have to be Gen X to appreciate and love it because well, which I am right, so. but it definitely has a Gen X slant to it. So it's like, you know, there's some stuff that's familiar, some stuff that's less familiar. And that has been super, super um, fantastic for exposing me to either new music or music that I knew that I forgot, or, you know, just finding things that weren't necessarily in my, you know, Head when before I started actively pursuing new music, yeah. So yeah. I highly recommend.
0: <laughs> I have I've been experimenting with music a lot more. For some reason, I had a couple years where I wasn't writing to music at all, and lately I have been yeah. more pulled back to it. And I have found this way of um, curating Spotify lists. Yeah, I am a Spotify person, so I'll put on one of those like deep focus John Hopkins Moby kind of electronica stations, and then as soon as the music bothers me. <laughs> I go back and replay the the song that was right before it. Because wow, I was obviously sick. deep. And it didn't bother me. And then if I love it, I move it over to a playlist for the book. But this is a love that only occurred to me in the last two weeks. Like we've all been doing a lot of um, distraction focus work <laughs> this you yeah. know, recently. So um, but I love I'm going to
1: try Radio Paradise. That sounds fantastic. Well- yeah, and the other two things I would say is that um, one is that if you like this kind of music book connection, I, if do you know about Large Hearted Boy, the website? I know. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, I just did for the new book a playlist for them oh, based on the cool. characters. I haven't which been to that website in,
0: in so long. I literally forgot that it existed. Um, that's yeah, awesome. I recommend that. Cool. Okay. And you're going to say a second thing too.
1: Oh, and the only – the second thing is is that it's interesting that you said you're writing to music because I find that I have – I get inspired by this music, but very pretty quickly I have to turn it off. Like within, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes of writing. Like I have a hard time writing to music. For me, it has to – for the actual writing
0: to music, it has to be without words. If there are Uh, words that I can understand, I can't. Right now I've got like a a, like a Gregorian chant. Like I was writing to this (laughs) in the 80s, right, when I was – You know, 15 I'd put on Gregorian Chance and write to it. So maybe I'm going back to that, but. That's awesome. Yeah, it's all very strange. Um, what is the best book that you read recently and why did you love it?
1: Oh, yeah, you know, um, I was thinking about this one and I think I'm going to have to go with Three Women. Have you read that? No. Um, so it's this nonfiction book that kind of blew me away. It's about women's desire and sexuality and it traces the stories of these three women. Um, and it, it's fascinating because it, I think it does an incredible job of really um, nailing women's desire and how they feel about sex and how they feel about. Uh, their own sexuality and all those kinds of things. But as important to me was the way in which this the author, it's Lisa Tadio, I think her name is, yeah. is able to um, write nonfiction in a way that feels as com- A, as compelling as fiction, and B, as, as voice-driven as fiction. And I think that voice-driven piece of it was what, what I was just so amazingly impressed with.
0: That sounds like everything that I want to read.
1: Like, oh God, it's so good. For me, (laughs) that
0: my fa, my favorite kind of thing is to read nonfiction, not always memoir, but something that is really, really voice driven. Have you read Savage Appetites?
1: No, but I'm putting it on my
0: list. It is, um, if you have any interest in true crime or even if you're just mildly titillated by it, you're going to love this. It's nonfiction and it's got the strongest voice ever. And she, she takes apart four women who have been in the true crime area and takes them apart and also talks about her own fascination with true crime and and women's fascination with true crime so oh thank you for the excellent book swap because i'm absolutely going to read that one next (laughs) awesome speaking of (laughs) wonderful books to read um would you tell us please about your latest book meadowlark
1: sure so um meadowlark is the the backstory to the novel is that it's um a, there's these two teenagers who grow up on a strict Eastern-leaning spiritual compound, um, and they run away when they're 15, and they lose touch. And as they grow up, and the, the the present of the novel takes place um, when they're grown ups. And Simran, who is the the girl who ran away, is a photojournalist, in Arjun. Who is the boy who ran away and now has his own, is the head of his own kind of commune that believes in kind of allowing children to just be and discover their quote unquote special gifts. So it's very opposite to what they grew up with. Um, and there's tensions between that commune, which is called Meadowlark and, uh, the police. And so he asks Simran, they reconnect and he asks Simran to come and photograph the commune. So to get their story out there to kind of, um, show that you know, the normalcy of what they're doing, which isn't actually very normal at all. So she comes with her young daughter and ends up getting uh, caught in there as tensions between the police and the commune uh, heighten. So a little bit of a, Page-turny thriller, a little bit of the literary kind of character-driven thing. You're, you know, we are all looking for. Well, that's a little uh, frisson of cult,
0: which we all. I mean, not right. we all, but many of us. I don't know why we're so drawn to this, but I definitely am. I'll read anything with that in it. I haven't read your book yet, but it's at the top of my TBR yeah. pile. Um, and I did read your book, Playing, which is just gorgeous. And you're such a beautiful writer. So I would really encourage people to go out and grab Meadowlark. Um, you will not, not regret it. So thank you
1: so much. Oh, where can we find you online? Where, where are you? Where uh, do you live? Yeah. Facebook, Melanie Abrams and Instagram, Melanie Abrams writer. Perfect. Um, And obviously my website, (laughs) melanieabrams.com. Yay.
0: Thank you so much for being with me on this very weird, weird time. It's um, incredibly nice to connect.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. And we will talk soon. Thanks so much for everything. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write?